And good Wednesday to you. Ricky, I think your cell phone's ringing. We heard it just before we went live. It's Wednesday, October the 19th, 2016. Thank you for joining Carolina Weather Group on uh, what will be a hosh posh of an evening. We have a special guest for you from uh, the Savannah region. His name is Ben Bolton. He will be telling us all about driving the wrong way on expressways. That's there you right. go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus, uh, we're going to catch up with a bunch of our panelists just to kind of find out what's going on in, in I don't want to say their neck of the woods because I feel like that's somebody else's term. <laughs> I wonder uh, who that might be. I wonder. Uh, we're also going to be regaling you tonight with some high-class dinners. It's a very low-key, casual night here in the Carolina Weather Group. Matter of fact, I uh, may or may not be doing the show in pajamas, but that's okay. Uh, the more you know. And with that, let's go up to Scotty to find out oh, man. how things are in Morganton. And uh, most importantly, Scotty, I want to know, have I missed the fall leaves or is this weekend still looking pretty good? Oh, this weekend's looking good. The wind's going to be blowing pretty hard with that cold front moving through. So I suspect that a lot of the leaves will be uh, off the trees by the end of this weekend. But uh, sure wouldn't feel like leaves, uh, fall leaves today. We got up to 86 here where I live. Uh, I'm going to do a screen share here. This is going to be kind of hard, so just bear with me for a second. Uh, there was numerous records. At last that I saw, 51 records that were broke today in the southeast with the heat. And uh, can you guys see this? Yep, gotcha. All right, so uh, I'm just going to scroll down Alabama and Georgia. Uh, let's get down to the Carolinas. You can see Asheville and Charlotte, uh, Greensboro and Raleigh all broke a record today. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina, North Charleston, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Knoxville, up there where you are, Ricky, you guys broke a record today, uh, several places in Virginia. So it was a very hot, unseasonally hot, excuse me for that, unseasonally hot uh, day for uh, for all of the southeast, and I think we're going to continue to see that heat one more day tomorrow. I know where David got, or where David Reese is, I think you guys got up to 90 degrees today. Uh, so 91. 91. Oh gosh. Wow. <laughs> so Yay, it, team. It's hot. So uh, one more day of the heat before uh, winter time, or not winter, but fall comes through. It's going to feel like winter uh, after having the temps in the upper 80s. Uh, upper 50s is going to be uh, quite chilly with the breeze. So uh, come up and look at the leaves this weekend here in the foothills and the mountains and uh, bring your hoodies because it's going to be cool. Oh, so it'll actually be like fall? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to feel wow. like fall Saturday. And then we warm up into the low mid-70s next week, so a little more fall-like here. In 83, right now, 83 right now in the Queen City. Sorry, Scotty, I think I cut you off there at the very end, but uh... – Fall leaves and fall temperatures in October sounds like a perfect combination in the mountains. Let's go up to uh, David Reese to find out how things are in Charlottesville, Virginia, so that I can finish eating my frozen pizza. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was hot today. It's been hot the past couple of days. In fact, today they hit 91 degrees, which is the latest that we have ever hit 90 degrees on record, and that includes records at Cho which is the official reporting site and has been since November of 1998. So it only has a handful of years that have records. However, McCormick, which has records back to the 1890s, well, it hadn't had temperatures this warm this late on its recorded history. The last time was like 90 a day or two ago back in 1938. So it was definitely record heat today. 
points right now, actually 66. So it's a very summer-like night out there. Temperatures tomorrow, I think, will be mid to upper 80s. However, that cold front, it's going to do a number. Uh, I think temperatures will fall throughout the day on Friday, rain off and on. And then uh, Saturday, UVA hosts uh, UNC. And I think both teams are going to have to play in the wind. I'm forecasting wind speeds now anywhere between 15 to 25 miles per hour. Could see gusts upwards of 30 to 35 miles per hour. So then it's going to be breezy and I'm going to be at that game. So I'm going to be freezing and it should be entertaining because going from 91 on Wednesday to upper 50s, close to 60 by Saturday, it's what I'm calling temperature whiplash. Sounds like we will be remembering that it's October before too long. So enjoy yep. it while it lasts. Uh, Kit, uh, you're not too far from me here. I'm in South Charlotte. You're in North Charlotte. You're doing the same thing I'm doing. Windows closed. Is he during the day? Windows open at night? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I've got uh, that that feeling of just like, okay, it's time for like jeans. It's jeans weather. It's time to do that. So I've just like mentally moved on from warm weather. And I walk outside this morning to go to a 930 class wearing jeans. And halfway there, I'm in a sweat. And I'm just like, come on. So it looks like next. In the weekend, it'll be nice and cool, but I mean, I'm just, I'm suffering from that whiplash of going back and forth. Uh, I hate, I, I enjoy it when it's like unpredictable like this from a forecasting perspective, but I don't want it to be that way here. I, uh, I agree. I started the day off in pants, quickly realized that was the wrong choice and dug the shorts back out. <laughs> just because this is all my fault. It's because I put my summer clothes away. Mm-hmm. And now James, James started the day James. in pants. Sorry. Never, never put the summer clothes away. <laughs> you heard that too, huh, Ben? <laughs> I hear sound bites. We're trying to hear sound bites, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to be the one to say it. <laughs> I am not wearing pants right now. That's all I'm going to yeah, say about that. That was going to be my question, and I didn't want us to go there, but we went there. Oh, hey, Ricky, are you wearing <laughs> pants right now? How are things up in your neck of the woods? I am wearing pants, just for the record, and. uh it's been a warm day up here, too. We're still in the lower 70s right now at 8 o'clock at night, which is pretty remarkable. I was digging through the data, though. Just sent this to Chris, uh, who's filling in for our chief tonight. And we're talking about A's, you know, in October and how crazy it sounds to us. But the past 14 years, we've hit 80 or above in the Tri-Cities during the month of October. Our average temperature right now is supposed to be around 69 degrees. We hit 86 today, I think, or 85. Um, so, you know, it, above average for sure, but Perhaps the 80s not as uncommon as we think they are. And we are a very professional podcast, and you've caught me with a mouthful of frozen vegetables because nothing goes better than with frozen pizza than frozen vegetables. Are they still frozen right now? I think so. <laughs> Man, you can tell that we've been out of, out of the loop here for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, I started this hour off by saying it's going to be a very <laughs> casual hour, and that's hey. why we brought on Ben this week. Can, can I mention that uh, this is episode 130 for the Carolina Weather Group? Good, because if you said it was 100, then we were going to be in trouble. And we're celebrating <laughs> with food. <laughs> oh, um, I was reminded on, the on a weather note by Facebook Memories just yesterday that this time last year I was doing a weather cast on television here sharing a photo from Pennsylvania where they were experiencing their very first snowfall of the year. I'm not saying that's yep. regular. I'm not saying that's irregular. I haven't actually checked. But it just goes to show difference a year can make. And see, for the weather challenge right now, uh, we're forecasting for Harrisburg. And today it got up to 84, I believe, um, oh. which was four degrees above basically all of the guidance um, 
that we had. Like, uh, I saw the max temp on one of them was like over like 81, I think was what it was. So three degrees, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, Scotty's got a graphic up. Where are we, yeah. What are we looking at here, Scotty? Yeah, so this is from our friend Grant Gilmore. And I'm sorry, tonight my, my earbuds aren't working. So uh, if I accidentally mute or unmute myself, I apologize. But uh, what a difference a year makes, basically, is the heading of this. Last year, the high temperature 61 in Greensboro, uh, low 32. They actually had some frost. Today, the high was 88 and the low was 61. So uh, that is a one-year difference, and that just shows you how, uh, how um, changing our weather conditions can be here in uh, North Carolina and South Carolina and Virginia and Tennessee and anywhere in the southeast. So to drive that point home again, today's forecasted low was last year's forecasted high. In our, in our area, we uh, – Observed high. Observed yeah. high. Today, guys, was the lowest temperature last year that we ever hit in the Tri-Cities for the month of October. We hit 28 degrees on this date last year um, with a high of 64. So I guess we can say this much to everyone watching at home. Aren't you glad it's not snowing? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Although, if it was snowing, Kit, you wouldn't have school for like a week. I know. It'd be glorious. It'd be great. Hey, if if I'm not mistaken, Ricky wasn't the uh, some some of the long range models spitting out a few snow flurries up in uh, West Virginia and Virginia. I think next week or maybe at the end of this weekend, something like Saturday, that. Saturday, yeah. The yeah, front side through uh, Thursday night and Friday, it had some wraparound moisture bringing in. I mean, this is starting to be the time of year, you know. And David, you know this very well in your neck of the woods too. Where we start to look for the at the Great Lakes for a little bit of a moisture source coming up, hitting the mountains of West Virginia up towards some of our mountains and. Uh, Northeast Tennessee towards high, not high now. Well, high knob a little bit, but also White Top, Mount Rogers, uh, Rome Mountain, seeing those Northwest flow snow events. Not, you know, incredibly strong, but a few snowflakes here and there. See, a, a classmate of mine, he last, I think it was, see here, it was September 29th. He uh, made a forecast and put it on the wall of shame we have now. Um, but he said, uh, based on the hour 384 run of uh, the GFS, he said, uh, on October 13th, there's going to be snow in the North Carolina mountains, which did not verify. There wasn't even the system there. I remember uh, that was bringing that. Thomas's forecast did not verify very well. Oh, no, this was uh, Corey uh, this year. Oh, uh, somebody else. Yeah, somebody Thomas nice used to see that. The forecast continue to be bad at 384 hours, thanks to the students at UNC Charlotte. But guys, the real question is, what did the farmer's almanac call for? Oh, gosh. Penetrating cold. <laughs> Someone can explain what penetrating cold means in a non-sexual way. Then, uh... <laughs> we'll see. This is a family show, well, right? This is a family show. This is an hour. <laughs> they always say, like, when you, when you, the cold chills you to the bone, but then you uh, added the clause of in a non-sexual way, so... All right, well, I'm going to uh, segue uh... off of the conversation of systems and pop up the uh, National Hurricane System, uh, National Hurricane Center. Uh, (laughs) Looking at a system, 60% chance of uh, development. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I haven't had a whole lot of time to kind of dive into this, but I know it's been something that's been watching, and it kind of cut itself off and is is trying to uh, form here. 60% chance over the next... Oh, is, is that 48? Yeah. I, I can't mouse it over. I don't know why I can't mouse it over tonight. 
Yeah, 60% in 48 days, and it should be 60 in five days as well. Uh, it was a little wow, high earlier. I had an 80% yesterday. But, you know, we don't have Shea on, but I'll take over for a moment. It sure. looks pretty disorganized, um, quite honestly. They were scheduled to perhaps investigate with the Hurricane Hunters earlier today, but they uh, decided to not go with that one. And quite honestly, it's not really going to be a huge factor to anywhere on the East Coast because – We've been talking about that cold front coming in. What's going to happen with that cold front is it's going to sweep this system out to sea with the trough associated with it. So the system, while it may form into a tropical depression, tropical storm, it's not looking like it's going to be a, a big deal. But the funny thing is, as uh, James pulls up the visual images here in the infrared, the name of it, Invest 99L, which some of the weather weenies may remember was Hermine. Yes. <laughs> Invest 99L should be retired. <laughs> that would solve all of our problems, wouldn't it? I mean, look at that thing. I would say that's not a tropical storm, but I've seen worse things get named this year. So, Are we talking about storms still when you say you've seen worse things get named? I've seen that one tropical depression get named that probably shouldn't have been a tropical depression, but... Ah, oh, and uh, Scotty brings up a great point. Whatever happened to Nicole? And in case you're tuning in saying, well, who was Nicole? I missed it. It was the long lost love of Matthew. So where is Nicole? Uh, yeah, yeah. So Nicole is in the North Atlantic. And uh, this from our friend uh, Brett Watts up in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, Nicole yesterday deposited about five to 10 feet of snow in Greenland. So uh, Nicole was a tropical uh, storm, then hurricane, uh, major hurricane that, uh, that went right through Bermuda. I think uh, last week we had some, or last week or early, all these storms have come together now. So uh, whenever Nicole went through uh, Bermuda, we had some uh, videos up on our Facebook page and our Twitter page uh, kind of showing you what was taking place in Bermuda. Now Nicole moving into the North Atlantic and producing 5 to 10 feet of snow. So that poses my question to you all. Would you ever like to have a hurricane that produced snow over you? And it probably was some blizzard conditions, I imagine, in spots with the, the winds associated with it. I mean, it formed an extra tropical cyclone, but you got to think there's some wind field still associated with the system. Yeah, uh, five to ten feet of snow. And I'm sure that happened, you know, not a lot of time, you know, maybe four, six, eight hours or so. So uh, it would be well, interesting see. to be in Greenland. Well, speaking not to of... bring up the cliche storm, but it's... Sandy uh, had a bit of, uh, like once it was after uh, being hurricane status, um, it pulled around some snow moisture to the uh, West Virginia mountains. And, and our mountains too, actually, when it was uh, still going on, we had blizzard warnings issued for Wise County. Um, first time in many, many years they issued a blizzard warning. But it was funny because the forecast total said, I think it was anywhere between like 6 and 24 inches of snow was the range they gave for potential. I'm like, okay. Well, good luck to me yeah. that one there. Yeah, right. And we will be looking uh, further into winter coming up in the, in the weeks to come here on the Carolina Weather Group. But before we get too far into winter, I've got some video queued up on the screen from Ricky, who's going to walk us through this here. But we have a lot of folks still in the Carolinas and in portions of Georgia and elsewhere along the coast still trying to clean up from Hurricane Matthew. And so we're going to get to our guest, Ben Bolton, in just a moment, who was in Savannah, who evacuated with his family and is now back there. And they're going to update us on their personal cleanup efforts. But first, uh, Ricky, tell me a little bit about what we're looking at here. Yeah, so what you're seeing is a, uh, a housing complex near Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, it's along the Tar River, which is about in the background there of the shot you're seeing right now. 
some of these homes on stilts, other ones not on stilts, being impacted by the water after the flooding of Hurricane Floyd. Um, the government kind of came in and raised some of these homes so they wouldn't be impacted by floodwaters again. But unfortunately, the water level coming up once again, really just thanks to all the rainfall upstream of Greenville, the rainfall from from Raleigh coming down the Tar River and kind of cresting right in Greenville and impacting the community pretty heavily, especially on the north side, which includes the airport, uh, large industrial areas. This video here is on the south side where a lot of students from ECU live. And uh, these homes were flooded out for almost a good five or six days. It was in a mandatory evacuation area. And most people, I think, in the area did leave. Still saw a few people kayaking in or swimming into their homes, which is always a, an interesting sight. Um, but kind of you know, goes to show that the hurricane comes and then uh, part two of the hurricane comes, especially along the rivers. And I think that's really the issue we, we saw with the storm is even after the storm came through, we had all of this saturated ground and all this water runoff that really had no place to go. And I know we're going to talk a lot about that here in a moment. But before we get straight to that conversation, I have uh, just one nerdy question that I want to ask now before we get too deep into the weeds on the other conversation. What did you shoot this with, Ricky? Uh, that's a DJI Phantom 3 standard. All right. And tell us, uh, we are hopefully going to be doing a show here in the coming weeks uh, about drones. Uh, and uh, I know a number of people may be looking to go this route either professionally with uh, the FAA commercial license or personally uh, for weather or for other reasons. So any feedback from you as uh, it relates to that? Uh, well, personally, I think if you're looking for a relatively cheap way to get into the, the drone business or just for the hobby, good way to go. I, I've, had no problems with mine uh, besides a little incident with a tree. That's, you know, not the drone doing. That's my doing. That was on you, wasn't it? <laughs> Say what? I said that was on you, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was on me. Uh, don't try to be too creative with your shots. It will end badly. But anyway, um, yeah, drones are becoming a much bigger thing now, not just for, you know, cool video like that and video that really tells a story from a different point of view, but also from a standpoint of being able to see stuff from the sky, being able to see what's going on beyond your point of view for emergency managers, uh, after tornadoes come through, the tornado damage surveys, trying to figure out whether it's a microburst or a tornado. But the key is, you know, doing it safely. Um, this was shot towards sunset when most of the helicopters that were flying around for the news stations already landed, and it wasn't really a factor with that. The airport was closed in the area. The hospitals weren't doing anything. Uh, and so, you know, the key is making sure you're following the rules and not messing around with anything you shouldn't be messing with, um, especially after disasters, because a lot of times in this situation, you'll have rescue helicopters or you'll have some police helicopters and other stuff, and you don't want to get involved with that because, trust me, you'll be unhappy if your drone gets run into, but they'll be a lot more unhappy and probably angry, and you'll end up going to jail if you have some type of run-in with them. So. Yes, and I know that's something a lot of people are trying to figure out right now. We're going to be talking about that, I think, in the weeks to come with our friend Rob Iker, uh, who some of you may know was on television here in Charlotte, now lives up in Boston. He just got his FAA certification to fly a drone commercially, sell the footage, sell the video. And so he's going to talk us a little through that because there is a key weather component there in addition to a lot of the things that Ricky was just talking about. And before we hop back over to the conversation about the storm, I just have to share this video that Ricky posted to Facebook earlier today. Uh, I assume shot with the same drone. This one, I think, closer to home to you, Ricky. But look at those fall colors. Here they yeah. come. 
That was shot in Rome Mountain. Uh, we're actually shooting it for my television station using the FAA commercial stuff. So since I'm a pilot, I was able just to just take the, the online test and get the license, uh, Part 107. This was shot up at Rome Mountain um, yesterday. And some of the fall colors up there, a little hypnotizing if you stare at that for a while there. Uh, <laughs> but really great fall colors showing up there. And uh, the key with this one is this is in a state park. And so their policy states you have to call the park manager beforehand. And luckily I knew them from doing a few interviews in the past. So it was an easy conversation. But, uh, you know, once again, making sure you're following all the regulations around the area. Excellent, excellent point. And uh, a little bit of a teaser what to come in weeks to come when we'll dive into that a little bit more. So, Ricky, thank you for shooting that and sharing that. But let's, uh, I guess, turn back to what is still a lot of cleanup and a lot of flooding along the Carolina coast and including portions of the Georgia coast. And that's where Ben Bolton is. Uh, he is a, uh, a journalist, a Savannah resident and uh, a friend of the show. I saw him catching up with David Reese just before we went live. So uh, if you do watch the show often, you'll notice that a lot of the folks that uh, David knows or I know or, or, uh, or other folks know uh, tend to somehow route back to Columbus, Georgia and WRBL and Ben Bolton is no exception. So Ben, good evening to you. And I'll, I'll ask an easy question first. You get in those uh, hot temperatures down there today too? Uh, it was a little bit hot, and thank you guys for having me on here. Um, but, it, you know, it wasn't surprisingly too bad. David Reese was, was joshing me. It was actually hotter up in Virginia than it was down in Savannah, which is very random. I'll tell you this, though. Since Hurricane Matthew left, we've had some really great weather. Like, re- cleaning up, we've had the best weather. Like, the first few days afterwards, you know, it, was, it wasn't so hot that you couldn't be in your house and it'd be suffocating without power and, and no air conditioning and things like that, so... A-okay here in Savannah. Well, that's good. So tell us, uh, I know you evacuated to Atlanta and you came back and I want to hear all about driving on the wrong side of the road as serious <laughs> and or funny as that may be. But tell us first, I know you guys are picking up a, a few trees either uh, on your home or on the home of some relatives. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can get the, the screen share to work here and I can show you guys some pictures. Um, so my, my house was actually okay, um, but my tree is a little loose. We're actually having to get it trimmed. Uh, because the, if you walk around it where it used to be solid padded dirt, it's loose and your foot kind of goes through it. And if you play with it a little bit, you can see the roots have come up out of the ground. So it's, it's, uh, we're having to really chop it down, make sure that if something happens again, you know, it doesn't fall on our house or one of our sheds or something like that. But, um, so my grandma's house was not so lucky. Let's see if I get this to work here. Um, so this was, I was standing on the tree. Can you guys see that? Yeah, we got you, Ben. Okay, so I was actually standing on the tree. It uh, was on the fence line, actually broke the neighbor's fence and fell this way. Um, as you can see, the right side of the tree um, hit part of the uh, roof shingles there, and it actually put a few holes in the roof. Uh, we just now got it removed. It, it, takes, it takes a couple of days. There's so many requests in between insurances evaluating all the damage uh, to getting companies coming in. We have people from Alabama, all different states uh, surrounding Georgia and the Carolinas that are in town to do all the different services and jobs like this. Um, And luckily um, we found somebody that we knew through somebody else. So there wasn't a price hike uh, because we can get into this in a minute, but there was some price hike um, in hotels, you know, farther out of the coast that people stayed at. But, um, some roof damage there. Um, let's see if I can get this one to go. Uh, 
this one. So this is the one that uh, if, if the picture were to pan right, if we had a little virtual reality or a little Google Cardboard, you could pan to the right. It's on my grandfather's shed. Um, that caused more significant damage to that, but um, it was a very large tree as well. Um, and let's see, I've got one more for you. This one kind of shows the part that was near the back entrance to my grandmother's house. Um, so yeah, so that's in there is the door to go inside. Um, so damage wise, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but, um, the, the trees kind of fell in a way where it wasn't all that bad. And it, it, what was crazy, uh, driving home, we waited an extra day, uh, for several reasons. One, you didn't want to sit in traffic the whole time coming back. Um, but, uh, you got back and you hit a certain point and all of a sudden you see just a bunch of trees down and the closer and closer we got to our neighborhood, we saw no power. Uh, none of the lights works. So everybody's doing four way stops. Um, and we have some large trees out in, in my part of Savannah. Uh, it's in the uh, Montgomery part of Savannah. Um, not too far for some water and trees down everywhere, power lines, trees down on houses, um, I'm training for a half, my first half marathon, so I've been running to you know around the different neighborhoods and while I'm training to see everything, and it, it's 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 crazy that, to see like these houses that I've seen for twenty something years uh, having to be rebuilt, trees on them, tarps everywhere. We have cranes throughout the neighborhood, um, so it, it's it's it was some serious damage and and. I've talked to about three or four people that I know who stayed a lot of actually all of them were older males with families who told their families to go somewhere else and they'd stay. Um, and all, every single one of them had said what they experienced from about two 30 in the morning till five in the morning has convinced them they will never stay again. Um, that's how scary it was that, you know, pitch black, the winds howling, you hear cracking, you hear generators exploding, you hear the trees falling and you just don't know. And we had one person in Savannah pass away um, because of a tree falling through. He decided to stay, send his family on. So um, a lot of lessons learned from the Savannah side of things. We don't ever, we never get hit. You know, we always have the threat, but it hits Florida or goes north uh, because we're in that little armpit or kind of pocket. Um, but it hit us pretty hard. That's uh, some pretty powerful words that people are, and stories that people are sharing with you. Um, your grandparents, were they with you? Are they, I, I imagine they're yeah. safe. Yeah, we made sure they got out of there. We, the minute that uh, there was not a real solid projection or we didn't know, um, we decided we needed to go. Sometimes we stayed when they're tropical storms or when you've got a better uh, sense that it's going to hit more of the Florida mainland and it's just kind of the residual of the hurricane. But this is just a little bit different. And then past evacuations, I've only had, let's see, we've only evacuated once in my lifetime. Um, and that evacuation was just awful. So we talk about getting out. This was a much better experience. The first time, I forgot which hurricane it was. It might have been evacuating for Hurricane Floyd. Is that around the right timeline, do you think? Late 90s? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was a kid. We had three dogs. Um, and that evacuation, they didn't open up both sides of the interstate coming out of Savannah. Uh, and it was, I, I think we left at nine in the morning from Savannah and got to 
the place in Atlanta we were staying about 3 a.m. That's how long it took us to evacuate that time. This time we got out, we got to our location in about seven hours and it's usually a four hour trip. So um, much better once you could hop on the other side of the road. It was actually quite interesting, kind of fun. Uh, my grandma was with me, so she was kind of like freaked out a little bit, but, um, but yeah, we didn't know what, what kind of damage, what was going to happen at that point. Uh, but it was, it was, it was definitely interesting. So I've got two questions for you here. Part one is, was there one thing that really stood out as, okay, this is the time we're going to get out of town. Is there one thing that, you know, resonated in your mind? This is why we're going to evacuate. Um, I think the fact that there were more projections than normal that it was going to hug the coast and not actually hit Florida straight on as it usually does. Um, and it was more of a, it's hard to say like exactly what the thing was. I think we, none of us just want to play with it. Also part of this comes into my mom's health, uh, which is one of the reasons I came back to Savannah. Um, and we didn't want to risk, you know, with some of the medical equipment that we have, and medicines and things that need to be refrigerated that we didn't want to have, uh, we didn't be without power. Um, and we didn't want to be in a situation where we're stuck and we can't get what we need. So it just felt like the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, as when, once we got to the Atlanta area and we watched the coverage and saw everything was progressing and the minute we saw it, turn and start turning towards Savannah. And then, you know, obviously we didn't get the eye. It went up a little farther North in Savannah, but when we saw that happen, we were thankful that we got out of there because the damage on Tybee, that was crazy. We've, we have a, like a family beach house out there. We couldn't even go to it for like a week because they had blocked it off. So um, we were just, you know, the, the best move we could have made was to get out of there. And all the accounts from people who stayed said they wouldn't ever stay again. So and I think that's a really good point you bring up. You know, I tell people all the time, uh, it's not so much the storm sometimes, it's the aftermath. You mentioned not having power, not having stuff to refrigerate things in, and that can be a, a huge problem afterwards for so many people. Uh, part two of my question goes back to the actual evacuation itself. So thankfully, we have not had to evacuate Hampton Road yet. It'll come one day, and then I'm coming up to David Reese's house whenever it does. Um, but... <laughs> You know, when you're going seven hours, what was that like? Were you stuck in traffic a long time? Is it frustrating? Any tips for people who are going to evacuate in the future as to, you know, kind of what they should do? Um, so the thing that made the difference this time that made it less frustrating was opening up the uh, other side of the interstate. The most frustrating part, and this is just by chance, we didn't know exactly when they were going to open it up. No lie. We... Where we got out of Savannah, obviously the uh, the part where you get onto the I-16 ramp backed up. We knew that was coming, but we had there was a barrier right once you get on I-16 out of Savannah, and the barriers where you would cross over. Literally five minutes after we passed the point where we could use that barrier, they opened it up. So the first so the first section we're sitting there, and my dad's in front of me, and we start seeing cars go to the left side and zoom by us. So we're all upset. We're mad because we're like are you serious? They could have just opened it up five minutes ago. And I understand that you can't control these things. Uh, but then I think about 20 minutes up the road and, and bumper to bumper traffic, they had a second uh, side or second way of converging over to the left side um, open. So we took that one 
And once you're on that side, it wasn't so bad for about two hours. Um, the convergence point where they put you back onto the correct side of the interstate was Dublin, around the Dublin, Georgia area. Now that, um, that was a little, a little dicey just because they have to get both sides of the interstate down to one lane on the right lane so they can converge it back over and two lanes of traffic can move. So anytime you do the one lane thing, whether it was evacuation or construction in Atlanta, whatever else, it slows everything down. Um, so that was frustrating because everybody's anxious. Everybody's got, a, you know, something they need to get to or, um, so not everybody's the, the most calm and, uh, but there was a lot of, there's a heavy police presence, a lot of security. So it wasn't like you could do something stupid and really compromise either side. Um, they, they were really efficient with it. Um, and then once you, and then if you went further past that Dublin area, a lot of people stayed there, but if you went to Macon, um, Macon was also, um, heavily congested. Once you were past that, it was, it was fine. What about for the people who were traveling? So you were, you're in those other side of the lanes, they have accommodations. So let's turn like rest stops and everything open, or, or if someone were to break down or any of that, I know we have that in Virginia, we have a plan in place to close like gates and stuff along I-64 and, they were supposed to position state troopers at every exit, have tow trucks on standby if need be. Uh, what was the Georgia plan like? I, it was similar to that. Everything was closed. Um, I, if you were on the left side, you had to stay on the left side till you got to the end, basically. They, they blocked off, unless you wanted to go off-road a little bit, which people did uh, once they realized the left side was moving a lot faster. But, yeah, all the gates were down at all the exits. There was a police station at every gate. Um, there were trucks stationed at the top of almost every major exit along the way. Um, so there was, there are plenty of provisions. Um, and, and there, you know, a, a great number of people stopped on the side of the road, uh, because dogs need to stop and use the bathroom, whatever else. Um, pe people did stop and, and there were cops there to assist and everything like that. So uh, overall I gave, I pri you know, considering the prior experience we've had with evacuating, this was much better. Um, so great job to all of them to making sure everybody got out, you know, safe and efficiently or as efficient as it possibly could be. All right. Last question for me and then I'll turn it back over to anyone else who has a question, but you mentioned that you guys were glad you evacuated because you came back and you had some tree damage. You had people telling you how strong it was. And, you know, with Savannah only experiencing, not really sustained hurricane force winds. You guys had almost tropical storm force winds. We've seen some people say recently who didn't have a ton of damage at their homes. Why did I evacuate? I'm mad I evacuated. I wasted my time. I would have been perfectly fine at my house. As someone who did leave and had damage, what would you say to people like that? Um, I mean, to each their own. And I think Obviously, it depends how far inland you are in the Savannah area. We were close enough to water where we felt like we had to leave. Um, but why would you risk it? I, I think um, I actually, looking back at it, I was probably more scared that there might be some looting involved because I knew there was some, some of uh, that reported in some of the local stations here in Savannah. Um, but, you know, the storm damage was far worse. And anybody who wanted to do anything – I mean, you couldn't even get around. To our neighborhood, it was blocked off for a couple of days. So um, the concern, at, at the end of the day, if there's any chance that the hurricane's going to hit your area, whether it's just a part of it or something like that, it's not worth it to, to risk it. I mean, and even when we got back, we had, what did we have, like four or five days without power, so we bought a generator. And um, 
did what we could with it so we could use the amenities we needed. Um, and then we didn't get, and then once we got power back, it took another two or three days to get Wi-Fi and cable. And, um, there are a lot of, uh, AT&T's having a really tough time fixing phone services in our area. Um, Comcast has gotten most of their backup, but there's, you know, power lines down everywhere, uh, cable down everywhere, just stuff you don't want to be around, you know, and we, we debated staying even longer in Atlanta, but we had to come back for several reasons. So, um, I just don't think it's worth the risk. And I think, you know, that probably sums it up pretty well. Once again, you guys, as horrible as it was, you know, we're only in tropical storm category one force winds along most of the coastline, not even category three, four, like some areas have experienced. Uh, so, you know, for, we have this problem in Hampton Roads because we live in a hurricane area and we have not seen a hurricane full force since I would say maybe Isabel, well, that was more of a strong tropical storm with an influence of a lot of uh, rainfall before that knocked down some trees. And so I feared the day, uh, and David, uh, you probably shared the same sentiment. Whenever the big one, quote unquote, comes up into our area and everyone's like, oh, I went through Isabel, I was fine, or, you know, I survived this storm, so I'll be all right. And I just don't think people actually comprehend the significance that hurricanes can pose in terms of damage after a, a strong one. So. Well, and hopefully people learn. I mean, obviously people don't because uh, we've, how many storms have we seen the past ones that were, you know, a Katrina level, things like that, where damage can come um, in really bad ways. And how many times do you have to see it to know that it's not something you want to experience firsthand? So, but it's tough. We're all kind of, you know, people are stubborn sometimes or, um, they don't think it can happen to them or what happens on TV, you know, that is just TV, but that's, that's why we all cover. That's why you guys have this group. That's why there's a lot of people dedicated to weather. Uh, and that's why out of all the things, and this is a bigger discussion rabbit hole that James and I go down out of all the positions in a local news station, the one that's the most sustained and the people uh, that kind of have a, a, you know, a, a career to stay within the local news area is going to be weather because uh, that information can only be done a certain way. Um, obviously, the channels that you guys do it through a Google Hangout or a Facebook Live, that can change things, but uh, there's, there's a reason why that sticks and why people turn on the television um, and, to watch the weather because that, that's where they want to get it. I mean, the Weather Channel did a great job, and a lot of the local stations following them on social media did a great job. And, and it's fun, and this might even better discussion for, for you guys as well, either now or later, the use of social media and disseminating information from um, not just through the media, but from uh, the, the sources of people telling when to come back, what stage, of, um, what stage are they in and letting people come back into Savannah, where power outages are. Everything was very well done using the technology we have. So, All right, I promise I'll let everyone else jump in now. In a moment. But and th this is really interesting to me because as a meteorologist, it's great to hear people. I, l I wish we could do more of these surveys on a wider scale of how people perceive the information and how they got it and why they decided to leave. But my, my question goes back to maybe not so much your perception, but especially your parents' perception, your family members' perception. What was the point where they started to realize that, huh, this could be something bad? And people in your community too, friends, stuff like that when they realized, oh, this storm's not going to turn out, you know, maybe we should actually start taking this seriously. Because I've seen storms where 
you know, the, the forecast track is dead on heading right through our area. People are like, oh, it'll miss us. It always does. Yeah, and, and nobody wants to leave. I mean, it's not like everybody's signing up. Oh, it's evacuation. Let's go. Um, and I think for my parents, it, it, I think everybody's situation is different. The, the person that lives next to my grandpa, he's a, uh, he's a father. He sent his wife and his two children, uh, I think, to Atlanta or to get out of the way, but he stayed. Um, and, and the difference is obviously there, you know, he, he felt like he needed to stay to keep guard of things or keep an eye out or, or whatever else. Um, and he says he's not going to stay the next time. And that, those kind of accounts, I think that awareness helps people realize that they need to go. But I think everybody's situation is different depending on where you live, uh, in that city or, um, the provisions that you need. Um, and then there's people who are just going to ignore it and, that's their choice. Um, but all considering we are glad we left, we didn't want to, you know, minimize what the experience we had to go through without power and things like that. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to come back to, uh, but it, it was the right, the right decision. And it's better to be cautious in that situation than it is to, to wish you didn't because wishing you didn't can end in, in really bad ways. So. I think, yeah. Ben, you got some really great points here. I think we can uh, make some PSAs just from sound bites from Ben tonight. <laughs> uh, I have two questions, one about new media and one about old media. And I'll start with new media because you mentioned social media. And you're a pretty social media savvy person, Sue. So I'm sure you were watching it. What worked well? What didn't work well? What channels worked better than others? What's kind of your overall takeaway on how information was disseminated on social media? So I think, um, you know, the the... the the avenues and the platforms that we typically use were used almost in the same way, but in a very, um, in a much better way. So like in terms of video that, that proves that you need to go, I think Facebook, I saw more use and interaction of local stations and the officials, the Georgia power, um, the state patrol using Facebook as a way to send out video messages. And a lot of that comes with the people in charge of, of those entities are of the age more like my parents, a little bit older, and they understand Facebook a little better than they would using like Periscope or something like that. So I think Facebook was, they did a great job in showing video or sending out video messages um, and not having to hold these press conferences like we would normally do the whole roundabout of everybody show it with your camera or your live view. You didn't need that. You needed to disseminate it in a way and uh, that you could use your phone or just your computer like we're doing to, to send that message out. Twitter, I used for more updates on um, the the way that they were going to let us back into Savannah. Uh, they did, uh, I forgot which account it was. Um, it might have been the State Patrol or uh, the Department of Public Safety or something like that. But they were tweeting out, we have four phases. These are the phases. And, and in order to actually... the the one thing they didn't do right was they I didn't understand that you should pin your information at the top of your Twitter account because they spent the rest of the time, I mean, hundreds of just answering people's questions on Twitter, which is what they should do. But if you're going to announce something, you need to pin it at the top of your profile on Twitter. That's the reason it was made, so you can highlight something that people need to see at the top. Uh, that was my only thought that I got through because I had to scroll through hundreds of, can we go back? Uh, when is this going to be open? What proof of, you know, that we live in Savannah, do we need? Because originally we needed a license and a bill saying that we lived in Savannah to get back in. That's why we waited too. But, um, so that worked really well. 
Um, and I think Facebook and Twitter are the two that most people use. So. I think that's, that's some good takeaway. And you know, I like social media. You and I go down rabbit holes all the time talking about social media. I have another friend who lives in the greater Savannah area who's not on tonight. So it's not you that I'm talking about in a roundabout way, who <laughs> despite my insistence on getting a weather radio or battery powered analog radio did not get one. And sure enough, at some point he lost power and he lost cell reception. Do you have one of these and or would you ever consider getting one of these? Because at what point do you just need a good old fashioned hand crank radio? <laughs> you know what actually is funny? We, uh, we had a couple, we have a couple that we've had for years actually. Um, we gave one to my grandmother and we get, and we had one and, um, I think it's smart to, to always have one actually in the use we usually have it for. Um, and so we don't use up data because I think out where our, our, um, little shed is, we, our Wi-Fi doesn't reach there. So we use it to put on music or something for working in the yard. Um, that way we, you know, save the data. That's, that was a big thing. Also, Ooh, a big point. Want to make sure to remember this Verizon gave us unlimited data for basically a week. Um, and that was great because we didn't have to worry about it. You know, we could use what we needed to use, the information we needed, and you could, you know, watch something on YouTube or whatever else. Now, cell reception was bad, but you could still use those things. So that was, that was a good benefit that they weren't greedy because a lot of people's bills would have been hiked like crazy if they didn't allow us to have unlimited um, text calls and data. So. A good use of the public spectrum, even even the frequencies that are allocated for commercial use. Uh, we have about uh, 10 minutes left, and I know we're going to try to get off tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern because of something that's happening on TV where people yell at each other, uh, well, and we think uh, a okay. lot of you might want to go watch that. I put you in jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I will step aside a second to see if any of the other panelists have more questions for Ben on, uh, on this topic or if we want to squeeze in another topic here in the next 10 minutes. So I'll stand down a second. Yeah, Ben, you kept saying this is like coming back and you didn't know uh, what to expect or whatever. So kind of take us through your thought process as you were coming back down 16 and going through Savannah and everything else. And you said that you saw more trees down and this and that. So what kind of was your thought process as you were getting closer and closer to home? Um, so uh, we used the Waze app because we wanted to make sure we could get around any traffic because there's a lot of reports of traffic back up getting back into Savannah, even though we waited an extra day and we didn't hit the bad traffic. Um, so the Waze app kind of got us around. And when we got back into like uh, kind of the outer part of Savannah, it didn't seem so bad. You saw trees. Uh, actually, on 16, as you got closer, you saw trees down on the interstate that had been moved to the side. And you're like, okay, well, you know, you don't think that's going to happen to you or anybody you know. You get closer, you get closer. And then um, there's a Truman Parkway here. And the Truman Parkway kind of takes you um, over the river that's near my house and towards my neighborhood. Um, and once we got over that, and there's no power at any of the stoplights, and all you see are giant cut-up logs. I mean, just a day or two into recovery, giant cut-up logs along the side. And the closer and closer we got to my house, they used um, a church down the street, a Boy Scout meeting place down the street, and where a gas station was down the street as locations and hubs for all the equipment that they needed for the area. And I'm talking lines, just lines of Georgia power, Alabama power, a bunch of different states, trucks everywhere. 
um, utility vehicles just lined up. So it's, it was really crazy to see um, working 24 hours around the clock, mind you, because who was going to complain if it's loud outside your house, knowing that you're going to get power back um, sooner rather than later. Um, and in addition, we actually, every day, we would make sure we rode down the street or took bikes or something to go see where they were because we knew we wouldn't get power until they worked their way back to our part of our neighborhood. So watching as they fix this pole, this light pole or they fix, they move these trees out the way, got these power lines off the road and they kept progressing back towards our house. Eventually we got it back. Um, but as you're driving down the street, you just see, you know, my grandma, actually, I wish I could have, this sounds bad, but like if you could have seen my grandma's reaction, mine, I don't know if it's our generation or anything like that, but I kind of had prepared uh, myself. One, one of our neighbors had said that there were trees down and that there was a tree down at my grandma's house. So we had known, um, we actually held that information from her. So she didn't worry and freak out because she's older. We didn't want to, you know, mess with that. Um, but as we got closer and closer, um, just, just insane like the amount of damage it caused and just giant logs i mean uh it's hard to even put them into size some of some of the larger trees um, i mean you have to like bigger than what you can make with your arms just huge trunks um this one giant tree that's near a gas station close to my house it's been there for you know i don't know how many years it's right in the middle of the street just laying there you know and, and just the farther and farther you got back, the more of those trees you saw. Got to our neighborhood. Everybody's got them. The, the road right behind my house, actually. Um, you know, I have a fence in my backyard, and the house behind that, all those houses, those are the ones that had the cranes. I mean, all kinds of tree damage. I mean, it, it was just incredible. We felt so lucky that our house wasn't affected uh, because so many in our neighborhoods, or in my neighborhood, were. Um, so I you know, coming back in, you just, you were praying. Um, we were lucky enough to have people that clear, you know, told us what our situations were, but the, the visceral reaction my grandmother had was more telling uh, of she'd been here, you know, 80 something years had never seen stuff like this. So. Sorry, well, I'm long, <laughs> sorry, I'm long winded by the way. You can tell I work in TV. No, no, you're uh, fine. No worries. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I was saying, hopefully, uh, hopefully no one sees another storm in Savannah or elsewhere anytime, anytime soon. Uh, my computer is lagging a little bit, but I assume my audio is coming through just fine. Yeah. Well, one uh, other note real quick too. Sure. There were cases, uh, we've heard from people that evacuated plus some friends, uh, that went to a wedding in the middle Georgia area, not long after the hurricane hit that, um, hotels certain hotels had canceled reservations they had prior and rebooked them with higher rates for people evacuating so there's a bit of that going around too and people are looking into it um so interesting stories there to look into for all the journalists right and that's not uncommon so you know it's a huge problem i think there was one hotel i forget where it was but it went from like 99 dollars a night to being 399 dollars a night which is illegal stupid and shouldn't happen and hopefully get they get fined a lot by the uh, state attorney general whenever they find out about it but uh, exactly i digress 
I better get my computer back under control. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to stop this broadcast in, in five minutes. Uh, speaking of uh, the time crunch, so we're in. Uh, ben, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. We'd like to give our guests an opportunity to share their uh, Twitter handles, their social media presence, kind of talk about some of the other projects they have going. And uh, I know you've got a sports podcast that I'm sure you'd love to plug. <laughs> well, my Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Bolton Sports. I snagged a decent one for, for at least the, the broadcast round, I guess. But um, I do Bolton Sports Podcast, talk about all kinds of different things. It's not just sports. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud. That's usually where I publish it. Um, so college football is usually one of the main topics just because where we are in the South. But um, just in general, man, I'm, I'm happy that you guys had me. I got to talk about it a little bit. I hope it, you guys gained something from it or those watching did. Um, you know, I'm – contribute where I can. <laughs> and I think we'll go up to Scotty in a second for a look at what's coming up in future weeks. Uh, ben, thank you for taking the time out. Glad everyone is safe. Glad you got those trees out of there. And hopefully uh, after a little bit of repair, everything will be back to normal real soon. Thank you. Scotty, what are we coming, uh, what's coming up in the weeks to come? Yeah. Um, big thanks to Ben for coming on and maybe we can snag him when uh, we go uh, more in depth with, uh, Looking back at Matthew and the goods and the bads from that. So, uh, Ben, thanks for coming on tonight. Maybe we can get you back on for that episode. Uh, hopefully that we'll have in the next couple of weeks or month. I know Matthew has really messed up our schedule uh, here on the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, so a lot of rescheduled shows uh, coming up. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking with Chrissy Kohler from Charleston, South Carolina. She's going to be talking about monsoons. Uh, we had originally planned for October to be all about flash flooding. Needless to say, did, uh, uh, did that become an issue uh, with uh, this month with Matthew affecting uh, not only uh, parts of North Carolina and South Carolina, but down into Georgia and Florida and, and the Caribbean. So uh, we're going to try to get uh, Marshall Shepard back on. I know that's who was supposed to be on our show tonight. Or was it tonight? Yeah, tonight, yes, I, think. I think. so. Yeah, so um, no. No, it's a couple Marshall Shepard was last week. Yeah, Marshall yeah. was last week because he was taping the, the show for Weather Geek. So we're working on getting Marshall back hopefully sometime in the uh, December time frame. Uh, tonight was actually supposed to be about the South Carolina flood show that got canceled because of Matthew hitting. Uh, but uh, we had to cancel that because flooding still taking place in uh, many uh, parts of eastern North Carolina and South, Car uh, uh, South Carolina as well. So that show will be airing on the 9th of November uh, talking about the South Carolina flood show. Um, November the 2nd, life as a meteorologist student. Uh, we have several uh, students coming on from Florida State and NC State. I know Kid will be on, so uh, we're going to talk about – Ricky's going to moderate the discussion since Ricky was just there, so uh, that's going to be a fun show. And then on the 16th of November, uh, we're going to be having the weather pros back on. They're going to uh, give us a, a – prediction or kind of give us an outlook of what uh, they think winter's going to be like. And Ricky, I saw your comment over there. I only seen it because I seen your comment on our page where it would be a fun show to moderate. So that's uh, why I gave it to you. I got ball and told this to Matthew. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, okay, I guess I'm moderating, which is <laughs> the presidential debates and the moderators they have. So. Yes, yes. So, uh, but that's our show. Uh, we have some other things in the working, uh, but nothing set in uh, stone. But uh, stay tuned to our Facebook page and our Twitter page as soon as we get these events rescheduled. Uh, we'll definitely put those out there so you can um, join them and uh, bookmark the links and stuff like that. So I think I got everything covered, James. 
this is my notes right here, my notepad, and I hope I got everything covered. But if not, stay tuned to our social media platforms, and uh, we'll make sure that you get the uh, up-to-date information. And social media platforms, also a great place, by the way. If there's something you're curious about and you want us to possibly do a show on it, let us know because we yes. are happy to accommodate. And our but, website. And our website, carolinawithagroup.com. Let us know what you think. It's always, always a work in progress, and Ben is laughing at me. <laughs> also, Ben, I'm, uh, I think we're going to get out on time. We've got about 20 seconds until this debate starts, and I think we're going to get out on time for once ever. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for more shows here on YouTube on carolinaweathergroup.com, and uh, we will be enhancing our podcasts in the week to come too. So if you are looking to take the audio with us on the go, that's coming to you in the next few weeks. Until then, I'm going to count down to 9 o'clock and actually get us out for once on time.